You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, here's the thing. Ja Rule needs to go, okay? <laughs> I would, if I could cancel anyone, it'd be Ja Rule. I don't want to see this motherfucker ever, all right? <laughs> he just, listen, he, he just, some people just look shady. I, I guess maybe people like shady looking people, with, you know what I'm saying? Got milk dud head, all right? And he's just a bullshit artist, okay? I'm sick of this dude. Hello, welcome to another episode of 2020. My name is Corey Peza here, as always, with Siobhan Cronin and Benny Goodman. Uh, super pumped to have back Mr. Doc Coyle for part two. Doc Coyle of Bad Wolves of the X-Man podcast. He's been God on our forbid. show before. God forbid. So go check out the prior episodes we had with him, too. He's a writer, too, by the way. He, he's a he philosopher. Up, he's a, he's a everything. Plays in a band with the guys from Metallica. He's kind of yeah. just like I, I want to be Doc. I think that's what this. I think the point of this is I just want to be well, Doc. I Royal. think we spent this episode trying to pick his brain, trying to figure out how we can be Doc. So yeah, this is a more <laughs> philosophical tuned. episode. This one's for called sure. "What's Up, Doc." <laughs> yeah, right. Part two, right now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of 2020. I'm Siobhan Cronin here, as always, with my cohorts, Benny Goodman and Corey Peza. How's it going, guys? It's going great. Ben's pointing at the camera. And back for part I've two, we had a great- from weird. <laughs> what? Ben always on his A interrupting game. That, that was my Hunter uh, S. Thompson quote. Oh, well, there we go. When the going so gets weird, re- the weird turns pro. There we go. So we have returning with us for part two, Doc Coyle of Bad Wolves, the X-Man podcast, our dear friend. So excited to have you back. Please subscribe at 2020-D.com. We had a great part one with him where we talked a lot about the future of Bad Wolves, the new singer, upcoming songs, albums, a lot of the crazy stuff that's going on. So go listen to that. But let's tune right back in here for part two and continue the discussion. It's great to have you back, Doc. Thank you. I was just thinking about the title of the show again, and I'm like... (laughs) 2021 has been so stressful for me. I have nostalgia for 2020. I'm like, man, remember the good old days when I was just in the house, not doing shit, watching Star Wars for the 50th time? Wasn't that the good old days? Everyone on this podcast, when someone says, hey, remember last year, what year are you actually thinking of? Like, what's your I default mean, really? last year? Because for me, it's like 2018. No one's like, ever. No at, one's. No one's asked me that question. I can honestly. Like, what say you? That. I'm like. I'm like. A, a year. I see my Facebook memory. I'm like, oh, that was five years ago. I'm like, I thought that that was six months ago. I to have honest, no perception I, of time. Me neither. Sometimes I don't remember what month it is. Like, I get so in the grind, you know, of like, all right, I'm just need to make it to next week at this gig or whatever, and it's like. Is it August? I don't even know. Is it fall? Like, I have no idea sometimes. I'm like, all right, yeah. <laughs> I, I know for me, you know, I, I live and die by, like, my Google calendar and my, like, task list and, like, the and deadlines and everything. Like, I, I don't, I, it's terrifying to look. A week a week or two ahead just is things that I'll have to worry about next week. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. Doc, being, uh, you know, in, in, in this band and doing the podcast and everything else you have going on, how do you 
like manage your time? Like what's your, what's your strategy teaching? Poorly, poorly. poorly. Okay, good. We're on the same boat. That's all right. <laughs> but you, know, you have such well-organized thoughts though. I'm, I'm amazed at how, how, yeah, like articulate you are. I'm like, wow, I feel like I need to sleep 10 more hours to speak as well as you do. So you seem very organized from my perspective. <laughs> no, the, listen, there's, I think you can be, it's not that I'm disorganized. I'm just impenetrably lazy. Okay. And, and, I, and, and, <laughs> You know, and actually, actually, let me put it this way. I actually think my life has been a little bit complicated lately. Just a lot of, um, sure. you know, non-conventional things that kind of derail your ability to just be a normal, functional, productive person where you can keep a schedule. Um, so it's like, I actually have a thing I have to do, some shows I have to do. I can't really, can't talk about right now, but I have like a limited time where I got to get a bunch of stuff done. And I'm like, I put a list together and I'm like, I'm running out of time. I better start you know, because I, I just, I don't know if this you know, works for you and you guys, but you have like people ask you to do something, you got a project and you'll just, you don't want to be that guy or gal that says you're going to do something by a certain time and you don't do it and then you become Mr. Unreliable. And so that's like something that bothers me. I just want to make sure, like, I know I have certain things that, like I started working on a guitar solo the other day and I was like, man, I got this, man. And then, and then and like after a few takes, I'm like, yeah, I, I don't got this. You know, but I just kept <laughs> Because uh, something, especially with creative things, something you you wish you can get it done in like a couple hours, but it might take a couple days, yeah. right, before you're happy with it. And so sometimes, it's, yeah, it's difficult to put certain things on a timeline like that. Um, so, but yeah, I do have a checklist. And I don't know. It's uh, the key is just, I guess, don't let things pile up too much, you know, but I kind of. I, I know this with myself. I'm not great at multitasking. If I have mm -hmm. a big, like, let's say I have a big gig coming up or I'm work, the band's working on a record, I kind of only have the room for one big thing at a time. Yeah, I could fit doing my podcast, stuff like that in there. But in terms of stuff like that, I kind of, it's tough for me to get a lot of stuff done when I have one major thing. Like I get kind of tunnel vision. Yeah. Do you, do you find that you re resort to sort of standard routine with like certain types of tasks? You know, like, are you creative at a certain, certain time in the morning. I, I know some people are very regimented with when their brain will do certain activities, you know? No, I'm, I'm not regimented at all. It's embarrassing. It's like, I, I, I wake up late. I, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I know I do, there's certain things I do. Like sometimes I'll take a cold shower, you know, brush my teeth, do my thing, get the coffee, do, you know, I have cert, certain things with that, but lately it's just been very hectic. So I, I'm just trying, I feel like I'm just trying to keep up with life lately. yeah yeah yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah i feel been, that been, been there well i gotta be real with you like i gotta keep up for this interview because like there's so much mudslinging going back and forth mostly from the other side because one thing you said that and i encourage people to go back and listen to the last episode you know you had been attacked by your singer but it's not a fight and unless you engage in the fight it's just being attacked and, and assaulted and I want to know what that feels like. I mean, as far as have you decided at this point in your life that like you're just not going to engage with that toxicity anymore, no matter what it is, if, whether it's physical, emotional, or even musically? I've never really been in a real fight. I've been sucker punched a few times, but I've never, I'm just like, like I said, I'm, I'm, I don't believe really in violence because it does, it generally exacerbates your problems, right? So if you, you hit me. I hit you, it creates a, a, a cycle that usually revolves around vengeance that never ends, right? And it only takes when some person goes, hey, let's stop this. So it's it's just 
nine out of 10 times a really poor way to solve a problem unless you're defending yourself, of course, right? You know, so it's just, that's just a little bit part of my personal philosophy uh, throughout the years. And there's always usually a better solution, right? A more like, you know, discussion. Like is a, no, but just discussion is the best way to resolve an issue. And the truth is because, especially in a civilized society, because if that were the case, the biggest, strongest person always wins, right? Or now everyone has a gun, right? So if I have a gun, I win, right? When Once you get into talking about violence, so it's it's just, it doesn't work, right? And it's not accepted in almost any serious part of life, we don't accept it, right? There's no, you can't punch somebody in the boardroom, you know? Okay, you never hear about, you know, Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> elbowing somebody, you know, upside the head because, you know, they voted wrong in like, you know, some, you know, something well, that's just that. <laughs> you're, well, you're saying control what you can control. Let me ask you this, which is which is a more powerful thing, taking away people's guns or taking away their Twitter handles, because we were just talking to Satchel and he was saying, how much does it take for the Taliban to still have a Twitter handle? And yet they take away Donald Trump's Twitter handle. But then he was saying that maybe he could actually have the Taliban tweet on behalf of Donald Trump. But I thought to myself, well, it really did take Twitter shutting off that dude's fucking Twitter account for me to not have to hear about it anymore. So well, is that one, more important than taking away a gun? Well, one is realistic, one isn't. You can, you're not taking away the guns. You know what the problem with taking away guns? They have you guns. Can't. They have guns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here, here, take my guns. I just like, got more back there. Take they the got a, first. They literally got a gun in case someone tries to take their guns. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's the point of the gun is when they come for the gun, I'm going I'm to use the gun. So, you know, at least... You know, taking away someone's Twitter is, is an actionable thing that can be done. There's a terms of service, you know, kind of, I say, taking away the guns is like putting the toothpaste back in the tube. You know, it's not really a work. It's a, you know, just, it's just a scare tactic to, so people can sell more guns. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. You're, you're obviously a very level-headed person and you have a lot of perspective and you're, you're good at kind of analyzing situations. How did you gain that perspective? Um, you know, how do you remain calm or know the best way to get through tough times in a non-confrontational way. That's, that's a skill. Well, you know what it is? I was, I was actually thinking about this today. I think it's what it is, is like, I'm kind of addicted to being wrong. Right. Like when you, cause when you wrong, you learn something. And when you like, and I think when you're, when I was younger, I was like 24, 25, whatever you, you have a very definitive view of the world. And then when you start to realize that you're wrong about things, you go, oh, okay, so I got to like, you know, there's so much um, inherent biases that we have. So if I'm, let's say I'm Mr. Left-wing person, right? I'm, there's certain information that's going to be appealing to me because it reinforms the way I see the world, you know, uh, reaffirms the way I see the world. And there's certain stuff that if I accept it to be true, it would dismantle my whole identity. So I can't let it, I have to ignore the stuff that's, so when you start getting rid of, rid of that, and you go, actually, what I want to do is hear information that's counter to what I believe because it's going to make me either it's, I'm going to, it's going to learn to be true and I'll evolve and I'll expand my scope on something or it'll, it'll kind of like make you realize, oh, I'm kind of on the right path and I have things figured out. So I just constantly just want to be like, yo, like, let me listen to people. I think one of the, the toughest things people do is uh, kind of exist in bad faith with presuming that the, just because we disagree on a few uh, topics that you're a bad person, right? And so we've gotten extremely moralistic 
in the way in like dividing lines like we're the we're the good guys they're the bad guys and and that's tribalism right and we've taken tribalism out of the tribe and instead of instead of put it on all these different other planes that's what, like current politics is identity right you know what like I keep you're, hearing? you know the guy that does all the voices for like the movie if you t- if, if you change your voice to that you would be like the new matrix like thing like everything that you just yeah. said sounds like a new yeah. matrix movie like which pill am i supposed to take doc well but it's it's this weird thing where everyone's trying to outsmart kind of being outsmarted right so like i said look we're at the time in history where people are the most distrustful of government of institutions of universities schools experts scientists so people don't trust anything because they're trying to, they think the system's trying to outsmart them. So like, I'm going to outsmart you because I don't trust nothing. So that makes me smart. But it turns out they're dumb because you actually <laughs> got to trust some shit. So, you, you know, you got to turn on the, you know, you, you got to turn on the faucet and go, there's not like, you know, androids in my drinking water. You know, yo, this water ain't right. There's something wrong with water, man. Have Look. you seen Roger Waters from Pink Floyd, all the shit he's been putting out about like, if anybody you don't agree with is doing things, you should just oppose them. And it's like some fucking dangerous shit going on. Like the guy who wrote the walls, like sitting there saying, like, if you don't believe in them, you need to take them down. And I, have you have you heard what this motherfucker's been saying? Like the dude that goes around and sings the wall. I mean, Pink he's Floyd. rich. He he's he's telling no, but, but you. It's he's telling dude. you to start the revolution. He's gonna be in his mansion. He's like, hey y'all, do the revolution. I'll be in the house in this pool. <laughs> This big ass eighty million dollar pool, but have fun storming the castle. <laughs> As we've seen, <laughs> I, lo- I, I, lo- I, lo- I love that, you know. But here's the thing: it's you know what it is is that uh, I think the it's the cultural kind of uh, you know du jour of the moment is to be extremely revolutionary. Is to be yeah. Uh, everyone has been essentially during this time has been radicalized. To some degree they're contrarians right? well it's, i mean it's contrarianism but it's extremism it's it's that you know essentially you have to be a part of this like one unit and we're going to change the world right and that's reactivating no you wouldn't want to be in some situation where there's just hey we're going to do incremental small change that requires like doing actual work in government with the system and so you have these big loud minorities that their goals are to revamp the system and make it in their own image to some degree. And that's what you're, that's what you're in right now. Cause, cause centrism and kind of like, you know, pragmatism, that's not sexy. That's boring. You know, well, that's Following- gastric bypass yeah. surgery. I don't want to go to the fucking gym, dude. I want to be 113 pounds six weeks from now, less than I was. <laughs> I want to cut off a part of my fucking intestine and I'm, I'm still going to smoke. So fuck like you. It. I'm going to look awesome and get fake That is extreme. Too. That is extreme. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But yeah, but we're, you know, we're, that's, it's, it's, a, it's a moment in time. The question is, does that exacerbate, right? Does that get worse? Or does it, or do we somehow, this is just like, we're in this kind of malaise, this kind of fog of our current culture where it's hard it's hard to say there's always a swing back like you know every every generation kind of has something like that there's going to be enough people that you know because i feel like once again we're talking about the loud minority so there's going to become 
a good chunk of the majority that's like, all right, I'm sick of this, and there'll be a pushback, and, and who knows what's actually going to happen, but I can't, I can't foresee. I mean, just talk to people that you know. Not everyone is as crazy as what you're seeing. No. So, most people, listen, most people don't even believe the shit they think they believe. They think, they're like, I'm, I'm with this, and these are my people, and this is my thing. And if you actually start asking about stuff, it turns out, point for point, they're not all about that. It's just more like, that's, like I said, those are my people. This is my, I'm, I got the red hat on, or I got the blue hat. So, but if you actually talk to people, liberal people are never as liberal as you think they are, and conservative people are never as conservative as they think they are. If you actually boil it down, they're just in a place, like, most liberal people live around a bunch of liberal people. So they just fall in line. And a bunch of conservative people are about around a bunch of other well, conservative people. A bunch people. of they yellow journalists. They're all pissing on each other, dude. They're all like say, vil- taking the absolute polar version of what a libtad is versus the conservative that, like, you know, is basically Texas. Um, you know, and, and, and we are so ill-equipped to be a political show. But what I'm saying is, we can like, move it. We can talk is right. Cause like the, there's three sides of every fault? story as extremes told us. And there's somewhere in between. And the fact is you don't have to be a libtard or super conservative to, to have a lot of the same views as people who are considered that by the others, because they don't, they're not going to cut you off there. I gotta cut you off with that. There's three sides of every story. Bullshit. I hate, you know, I hate, what are those phrases called? Like when something is just like, um, a cliche. It's like a cliche. They're almost they're almost always wrong. All right. No, they're they're no, not ben three sides. It's not wrong. There are not three sides to every story. There is one story. The truth. The truth can be complex. The truth can be can look different from different angles. And there can be, you know, but there's only one thing that actually happened. Right? So the, this idea, because when you say there's three sides to every story. It actually presumes that there's. I don't always, actually mean that. that it, it, it means that both narrators are kind of lying to some degree, or that there's always. And so well, I think that's that's the point of the cliche is to say like, yeah, yeah there's your side, their but side, on, and then, then there's if, the truth. But what if there's yeah. Jack Nicholson and he says you yeah. can't handle the sh- the truth and I'll just piss in your dead skull, soldier. Like, is that the, because I feel like how that's how the fucking government is. Okay, the UFOs, they exist, the dude from Blink-182, but you can't handle the truth, so fucking I'll piss in your dead skull. I mean, he's not. Here's the thing. He's he he wasn't wrong about that. People he's definitely can't handle the truth. He's not wrong, dude. That he, dude. Is, fuck Blink One Eighty Two. That guy's discovering shit about Roswell. He's he's transcended rock and roll. That dude is literally getting the government to admit. You're right. We don't know what the fuck that is. That's some serious shit. Well, I'll talk all the, all day about that. So. MK Ultra, motherfucker. Well, here, from my perspective, I'll say what I noticed, not to get political well, you're from at all, the but... spaceship. You're from the spaceship, from Star Set. You're from the spaceship. No, but I'm wondering for how long people have been so divisive and so vocal, because it feels to me like quarantine happened, and I started paying attention to stuff that I didn't pay attention to before because I was too busy, and I was like, wow, has the world been this crazy for a long time, or did it turn crazy this year? So I'm wondering what you guys think, because, yeah, I mean, it's obviously a disproportionate part of the population that's incredibly vocal online about different things. So, I mean, have people been this way for a while, or was it just this year that all this went to shit? I I think... I think it's fairly simple. I think that you take uh, a bunch of people and you, you take anything disruptive um, causes people, like people need things they can rely on. And when you when you take all of a sudden they can't go to work, all of a sudden they can't do this, they can't do that. You got to wear this mask, you got to do all this stuff and then stick them at home for a year and on their computer. I mean, it's, it's a recipe for a disaster. So, I mean, and you know, and, and it just so happens to be that all these tools exist that, 
people can go down a YouTube hole, you know, five days later, and all of a sudden they're like part of a cult and they're, you know, doing weird shit. So, I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, you don't think it's an easier way for people. Cause I feel like the internet is a way like, cause back in the day, if you wanted to fuck a donkey, you're just a weird donkey fucker. Now there's a news group of donkey fuckers and there's some guy in Anchorage going, yo, dude, I got some sexy ass donkeys and they're fucking finding each other. So I feel like we all have this <laughs> trollism inside of us, right? And where, like, so I didn't know <laughs> no. Eric Clapton you was racist. You are speaking for yourself. I, I didn't, I'm saying, I, but I didn't know Eric Clapton was racist. He's a fucking racist and he says really crazy fucking dangerous things. And I didn't know that, but because of the internet and because everyone fights about it, now this guy whose music I've loved all my life, I'm like, wow, he was really an asshole even in the 70s. And I think it's just because we have so much information available to us because the people that are fact-checking just to be trolls are letting us know that there is deep hatred in all of us and we're using it against each other. So I think that, Siobhan, to answer your question, it's all been there. We're just watering the seeds of hatred that have always been there laying dormant. Now, you know what it is? It's like, you know that movie, What Women Want? Where, they, where, she, where he, could, he could hear how what women Back think. Back to Nicholson. Basically... That's Mel Gibson, We're like basically now, yeah, Mel Gibson. Oh, we right, can, right. I'm thinking, uh, uh, yeah, sorry. Now we can basically read people's minds because people yeah. just kind of vomit their thoughts out. And it turns out we were all thinking terrible, shitty, dumb, ignorant. <laughs> so, and now that we know that people, it's like, it's like Pandora's box. It's like, I wish, no, I really pine for a time when I didn't know what everyone's political views Absolutely. were. I didn't know what everyone's like. I, I never knew anyone had an opinion on vaccines in 1993. No one had an opinion on vaccines. You just got them when you went to school and you never thought about it, you know? So it's yeah. like... Well, it's it, comedy's turned around because comedy, the whole thing is like you say what people are really thinking. Now, comedians are scared to say what people are really thinking because people will go back and say what they're really thinking about what they're thinking and then fucking vilify them and ban them from a no school. Not. And it's no, they're not. Because stop that. I hate that dumbass comedian line about... They're, they ain't scared. The whole point, listen, if you're an edgy comedian, the whole point is you just say some crazy shit, it gets a bunch of fucking hullabaloo, and then now you're an edgy comedian. You don't know what the edge is until you go to the line. Come on. Like, Hunter. edgy comedians are new. That ain't new shit. Andrew Dice Clay was literally canceled 25 years before the word canceled. He was, his career was erased because he went on MTV and said some crazy ass shit. So don't, let's like, act like this shit is new. Fucking... George Carlin went to jail for cursing in public. Okay, this the comedians can't say anything. Get the fuck Richard out of here. Prior lit himself on fire for us. That's right. Well, that's, that's what I for the that's crack. What I free base. That's right. No, this is <laughs> this is pre-crack. This is free base. This is this is a different. You know, it wasn't crack yet. Well, speaking well, okay. of having, pers uh, okay, go ahead, Ben. Go ahead. Well, I was gonna say Satchel. I want to ask this because Satchel said this on the last show. You know, remember Eddie Murphy. He said he wanted Steel Panther to be the Eddie Murphy of rock and roll, with that, which I think is fucking hysterical. But Eddie Murphy has this whole thing about ice, uh, uh, about um, Mr. T being gay. You can't do it anymore. How do you feel about, like, you know, did you watch that shit? And, like, did you think it's funny? And where's the line anymore? Uh, because Again, like, what, are you, that's not what okay. are you talking about? Do you, you know, know how... I, are you telling me that the world changes? <laughs> and that shit of all that... That they used, you know, they used to call... I would, they're like, yeah, you know, this uh, colored guy over here. They stopped doing that, Benny. Shit they used to do, they don't do anymore. You could have sold me 200 years ago. <laughs> I can't do that anymore. It's a, it's a line of progress that all of a sudden, we, now we respect gay people. And so you just have to be, do, you don't think people go to comic clubs and do gay jokes anymore? 
Do you think that went away? We no, they just don't call them slurs. And they, they're trying, and it's just saying, hey, I actually have to treat people like human beings. And I get it. Like, I love mean comedy. I like one of my favorite shows, It's Always Sunny Philadelphia. And that whole oh, yeah. show is punching down on everyone. I love it. All right. I don't like, I hate that you got to punch up. No, fuck all that. But this line that, uh, there's, they're stopping us. I'm like, no, motherfuckers always say what the fuck they want. I'm still waiting for the people that really got canceled. Like, you can say, oh, Kevin Hart. He wasn't able to do the Oscars because of this or that. But every movie, he's he's in a movie every five minutes that makes $100 million. He's doing just fine. So I don't know, you know, I don't think this is complete. Yo, Dave Chappelle went out there and did about 25 minutes on trans people. And it was the biggest stand-up uh, special in the world. He literally made a special to prove that he could say the whole special is him just taking fucking grassy nose shots every fucking <laughs> any and you know and just going for it. And it's like he proves like, yo, you can't cancel him. You can't control him. He's doing that to show that yo, you can make fun of anything. Anthony Jeselnik, this dude does oh, dead say, baby jokes. He's my favorite. He's so he does, wrong. Yeah, he does dead baby jokes and rape jokes and everything. So what I don't know what these bitching ass comedians. I can't say shit. Yes, you can. Stop, stop, say something crazy, go viral, and then more people show up at your show. So stop. And, and ironically, <laughs> in the conversation that, that we're referencing with Satchel, I'm pretty sure he made several gay jokes. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. So, actually, so if just, you read just, the comments on Ultimate Guitar, they're like, if we actually wrote any of these things that they transcribed in the comments, we'd be banned from this page. I'm like, oh, man. There's we're a making- difference between hate speech and a, a, a guy wearing a wig joking about things. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the context, you know. Comedians don't want to deal with the bullshit of a blogger trying to get them taken off Twitter because they you know what that's saying. Know what that's literally saying. It's basically going, I can say what I want, but I don't actually want to be criticized. Because what you're because basically what you have is two competing forces of free speech. Right, the comedian uses their free speech to say their jokes and everything, and then a critic comes in and uses their free speech to say, I'm going. You put work out there. I'm going to criticize it. So what are we saying? That so if I'm don't like what you say, that no, it's it's that's free speech. It's literally combating ideas. The question is, are there people like yo in the history of people trying to get artists canceled or before the term was was called that? Um, you know, it's always helped the artist, right? If you had Christians outside the Maryland Manson show with picket signs, he's the devil. He sold more tickets. Like it always helps you. I don't understand. Like these people who pretend they don't like controversy that doesn't actually help them that get headlines. And that now there's an entire anti-cancel culture backlash. Morgan Wallen got dropped from his label and all this. Album was number one for 75 weeks. Racist ever. Like, that's right. Say that shit. <laughs> I saw one of them. They bought the that PCU? album. I've yeah. never seen the movie PCU back in the yeah. day where everyone's fighting and they finally start a band, everybody gets laid, and then they yeah. save the whole fucking university by unifying each other because they don't know what they're fighting for. And like I feel like that's exactly what's going on right now. It's like John Favreau is arguing against the lesbians, arguing no, against I the know, liberals, but the, against the Republicans. But you're but they proving don't know my why point. they just want to hear Parliament. No, you're proving my point that it's always been around. Like PC called they're just, it's just they just keep changing the name every five years. It's PC in 2000 and then it's woke on this day and then it's canceled called they just keep but it's the same thing it ain't new like like 
And that's why my problem is people act like, we can't do anything. It's like, no, it's just the internet. And everyone has a phone. And they put it out there. And then people talk shit. We're just in a shit-talking culture. But, you know, for the most part, you know, we have some people that have been canceled-ish, especially some comedians, right? You know, Louis C.K., his career took a giant hit. Um, uh, Aziz Ansari's career took a giant hit. You know, uh, you know, but in those guys, I don't think, you know, I... I like those guys. I want to see their work out there. I want to see them I doing love things. CK. You know, so that's a bummer. And that's those are cases where you go, hey, maybe this they got hit at a time when this caught that backlash was at peak, right? And you know, we all gotta figure out because it's like people say they hate cancel culture. It's like, oh, so you're saying R. Kelly should just go on a world tour right now, sold out? Oh, oh, so not everybody, right? So that <laughs> we you want to be able to hold people accountable to do really terrible things, but we don't. The, the point is, is to make sure that everyone, like, the, it, it's not served unjustly. And, and it's right. like that this, brings up a huge conundrum that's what's for me, difficult. though. Yeah. Because I love the song Ignition and I'm a DJ. I DJ. I'll listen weddings. to it. Am I allowed I'll to play to it that? Right now. People got mad at me. I did a Harvard party, like, when, it, when he first got arrested and I played Ignition. And half the people were like, fuck yeah, dude, you did it. And then the other half were like, why would you do this? I'm just like, because it's the remix to Ignition. And it's hot and fresh out the kitchen. And that who am too. I to tell you not to play? Because you want to know what? Chuck Berry opened a restaurant just to watch people pee. You know, Marvin fucking, what was it? Uh, who's the dude that did uh, Angel Dust and got chased it on? Was it Marvin Gaye? No, not Marvin Gaye. Uh, fuck. Um, James Brown. Was it James Brown live on television on fucking he's I mean, out of his mind just fucking driving on, on Angel Dust? Like, dude, I'm not judging. I feel good. Makes me feel good every time. That's true. That's true. Listen, Michael Jackson's awesome. I don't care what you think he did. By the way, he didn't do it. But even if he did, his music's still fucking amazing. And that doesn't negate the Jackson Five because he was too young. So I want you back. It's still fair game either way. I'm. I'm listen. I. There's a lot you said there. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's. I, I want to go back a little bit. Let's rewind a little bit, and I want to hear about. I'd like you to talk a little bit about your life as a podcast host, and I'm curious if there has been any person that you've interviewed or talked to that has changed your perspective or made you think a different way or really had like an impact on some sort of outlook that you had? I mean, for me, it's a, it's kind of a collection of, you know, cause I, I, I talked to my whole show is about the X-Men is all about talking to musicians for the most part. I've all, you know, people, different stripes on there too. But it's a lot of it is talking about these career arcs and how people deal with adversity, maybe getting kicked out of a band or quitting a band and figuring out what they're what they're going to do. So it's it, the, the, the thing for me is finding all these common strains, you know, in how, you know, the kind of mindsets it takes to have a long lasting career in like creative fields, you know, but I've, you know, I've, I've had a few people, you know, on the show where I'm like, like Tosin Abasi I had on my show. <laughs> Nice. The best guitar players alive. And but here's the thing, you you talk to that dude and you're like, oh, he's also like one of the smartest guys alive, <laughs> you know? And I'm just really, you know, just someone like that where, you know, I, I make it a point to, you know, bring uh artists of color on, on the show and tell their perspective and talk about those issues because I don't know if every media outlet is kind of suited for black artists to tell their story in a comfortable setting. You know, where someone understands what they've kind of gone through and kind of what that that factor is, you know, um, but, you know, just but people like that. Like I if I have a great conversation, I had um, bass player from Mudvayne, Ryan Martini on the show, 
And, you know, he never did a podcast before, right? He was, he's been in like, hasn't been in the public eye and like just talking to a guy like that, all of a sudden you're like, I feel like I'm learning from Yoda or something. Like you're just, just <laughs> no, but you get these views into these great minds um, and you get to really kind of know people. And it. it's a, it's a such an intimate medium. Um, and especially for, for men who maybe are not always vulnerable, right. About their, you know, things that, you know, they, they don't want to talk about or things that, you know, it's, you know, I love having that space where people can kind of just share what their life has been and what their struggles have been. I mean, that's always the interesting thing, right. Is like the vulnerabilities and the intimate stuff and, and just, I don't know. I just, I'm, I just feel blessed that people feel enough trust to kind of go there with me in these, in these places and, and just try and learn that humanity element. And there's so many beautiful human beings, you know, in, uh, in this scene and stuff. And for me to even have any relationship with them at all and then do that, it's just, it's just a blessing. So that, I felt like it was, might've been a kind of foggy no, no, that, answer. That's great. <laughs> but, I mean, I'll say that <laughs> from my perspective, I, I feel very grateful to have had this year to talk on our podcast to a lot of people. And I, I hear tidbits in my mind every day of things that people have said and how it's changed the way I approach my days or my outlook or how I think about stuff or how I handle things. And yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible, you know, going back to talking about a lot of people that are, surrounding themselves with others that think like them. You know, it's, it's hard to put myself in that space and understand what it's like to not be able to talk to all of these different people that have different perspectives and can check you, you know, every day on, you know, the way that you think or uh, giving you alternate ways of thinking about stuff and how to handle things. So it's, it is an incredible space. Yeah. The one thing that I've noticed just from, from our show is, uh, like the, the confirmation of certain ideas and seeing like, like you said, the common threads between people in very different situations, but all achieving some level of success. I mean, we've talked to people on reality TV, uh, all kinds of musicians, uh, businessmen, and they all have some sort of like relatable story, uh, in terms of like either achieving success or, or maintaining success, uh, and it's always so simple. It always sounds so simple when they tell, you know, yeah, well, we talked, I moved to the islands with $5 in my pocket and I just didn't, you know, I, I lived in a, on the beach for, and then, and then, and then I came back and I, this guy I met 10 years ago, hooked me up with a job and, you know, Can I tell you who has the thing. best one is Shane from the apocalypse blues revival was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah so I toured yes. with Candlebox, Yeah. <laughs> and then I moved off to, uh, to an island and, and I opened, opened a tiki opened a bar, <laughs> a bar and I went sailing and then I went, uh, no, excuse me, I went uh, 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 surfing and then I decided I wanted to go back to the Metallica Godsmack tour. And that was what he had done for the last 25 years. But because of the network that he had created. So that was one of the, the, the themes. It's, you know, it's the people you know and the people you meet in the career. So I know, I know we've learned a ton, so it, I can only imagine. And I've listened to, to several of your, your shows, doc, and, and you're a, a way better interviewer than we are. So I learned way more from your show. <laughs> you're far too kind. No, no. But even like recently, like the thing that's kind of cool, my show is now I barely even have to ask people to do my show. Cause so many people like, um, you know, uh, PR people hit me up and now it's like, you know, big time guests are like being able to speak with KK Downing from Judas priest or, D Snyder, ass, by the way, or, you know, awesome. Miles Kennedy, right? Like for me, I'm not just on there to have an interview. I'm there to like mine the kind of genius and wisdom of people that have been at the top of this industry for 40, 50 years and go, I'm there to like, just, you know, like the, you know, kind of put a brain sucker on there and just 
suck out because but no, that's a blessing. I mean, who has the opportunity to have like almost a mentorship session with someone that you idolize? You know, that is such a blessing. So that's something I try and really oh, dude. Listen, so, we we were sitting here earlier this year with Mark Tremonti. You said Miles Kennedy, who's I believe. I believe it might be coming on our show, but we're talking to Mark Tremonti and he's like literally telling us ways to organize your thoughts and like riffs and stuff. And Corey and I are like, that's, that's a really good idea. Wait. Okay. So that's how you do that. And like, meanwhile, like he's so gracious. He's like, Oh wait, if you did that, you're just like, this is why this guy sold a gajillion records. And he's like the nicest dude. He's like, Oh, it's over. And like, we only talked for like six hours. It's over. You don't want to learn more <laughs> stuff about my awesome life and like why I'm awesome. Check and, out these pedals. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's like you have to pinch yourself sometimes because if I was in a band, I I don't think I'd be walking backstage and running into Mark Tremonti. But like now I get to talk to him and go like, hey, you're one of my heroes. And then we get to do have a guitar contest who has cooler guitars. I'm you know, speaking and, to him this week. Don't win. Yeah. Oh, you really? are? He's him great. And, he was so nice. Him, him and Gary Holt. From Exodus and Slayer, so we dude, we're supposed to talk to Gary wow. Holt too. Maria Ferrero, are uh, Stop she, copying she, me. Yeah, dude, <laughs> she texted. Yes. Wait, listen, we have her on our show, and she texted Shit. him on the show, and he said yes while we were on the show. So you can tell Gary. No, <laughs> we're, all, we're all in the sound talent media family. We can we can be incestuous. It's fine. I was waiting for him to say Phil's the one that changed his mind about something. There's still a lot of Phil. Like I feel like there's like hours and hours of Phil, and he still doesn't change your mind about anything. It doesn't seem. <laughs> Phil, you talking about Phil Lamonti? Oh yeah, he's the greatest. He's like my favorite guest, by the way. No, listen, Phil. The, I love having Phil because I say like there's nothing more boring than having talk debating someone you agree with everything on. Like, oh no, that's why I love yeah. him. He's the greatest. Let's get in the get in the uh, the old uh, mental boxing gym and <laughs> best man win. <laughs> so let me ask you: when it comes to uh, back to podcasting, when it comes to interviewing guests. Um, what, what are some of the things you think about when you're approaching somebody new, you know, let's say it's someone that you might be a fan of or that you know a little bit about, but not a lot, I, you know, because we're, we're learning about the art of the interview. So what are some of your tactics for digging in and getting deep with people? Well, I mean, I try and if it's a musical artist, I'll try and like listen to their catalog beforehand and not even just to, you know, it's not like I'm cramming for a test or anything. It's just almost to see how especially someone I've been a fan of see how the music makes me feel and I can kind of go back and then put myself in the mindset of like what would I want to know and then kind of craft some sort of and I used to do questions and now it's just bullet points and some people it's like I can just do a quick mental checklist but I always feel like the main thing is to let the conversation you just want it to flow you just want it to flow and so it's something that I feel like I'm still working on and improving, you know, learning, just getting, having smooth transitions and smooth questions and make it feel, you want it to feel seamless, you know, that, and so that's something that where you have a structure, kind of what you want to talk about, but also just be reactive. So you're listening. So when they say something that's not in your notes, something you thought about, you can just have that conversation in, in the moment because you're always going to find stuff that you never anticipated i have a very no. important question so let's say somebody's going on for a really long period of time and you don't know what the fuck they're saying <laughs> what what are the certain like responses you could say that sound introspective or intelligent that really you don't have to know what the fuck they're talking about when you say you don't know what they're talking to you mean they're not just making sense i'm saying that like you're not listening and you've forgotten what they're saying and you're just like oh that's oh. fascinating i can't believe that that would happen that really moves me to the core 
Like, really, are there certain are there certain like tricks you can pull out? I go. Here's what I do. I just go right on, right on. <laughs> I noticed you said that several times today to us. Uh, <laughs> word, word, on, man. man. Yo, hold on, no. I, was like, I, I feel that. I feel that. Yeah, that's what's up. That's what's up, man. I'm gonna make a soundboard with these sound bites that you're you know giving what? us right now. I can't wait to those. interview Miles Kennedy and be like, "That's what's up." The Miles. He's like, "Why? Wow, you remind me of Doc." Miles, Miles. That's some real shit. Some real shit. It's so different coming from you, man. Yeah, I know. Sounds I just so feel like your white dad telling your drummer that he's white. Uh, I'm, but Ben, you do that already. Yeah. You just go on a completely unrelated side rant where everybody else is like, what were we talking about before? Well, he's saying that like sometimes you have to like, you know, only make it cohesive with the voices. How do I get these voices to stop so I can hear those voices to make them cohesive? I ain't your doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, that's above my pay grade. <laughs> Oh, man, I love it. That's a, that's a shame. As we drive Core, another conversation, see, we just drive yeah, another just conversation even, into a wall. So You should make a, a whole thing of me driving conversations into a wall. You can make a fantastic 35-minute yeah, montage. It's called 2020.com. Montage. It's how, it's how we... <laughs> it's called editing. 2020-D.com. God damn it. It's not 2020.com. Okay, so let's let's go back to music and, and, and Bad Wolves. And you were talking about how 2021, for the most part, you're not going to do a lot of performing. But what are? can you talk about some of the things that you personally are doing, maybe musically or otherwise, throughout the rest of the year? And so I have things I'm doing, but I can't talk. You can't talk about them. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> so, fair enough. He's in a fight club. <laughs> come on. Come on. Just because I'm big no, no, don't mean I can fight. All right? <laughs> you know, no, no. It's definitely not fight club. Um. No, no, I'm going to be performing with some pretty big bands, but it's not, I'm at a, I'm not at liberty to discuss it, but it'll, it'll be known fairly soon. And, um, you know, I always stay pretty busy. I was supposed to start doing Twitch streaming on there, but that got delayed. So I'm probably, hopefully I'm going to get back trying to do that maybe in October. So, you know, stuff like that, where I can kind of, you know, it's not touring and it's not, you know, necessarily performing in the in the traditional sense, but I think anything that you can kind of connect with fans, connect with people who kind of care about what you're doing. So that's something. What would you be doing uh, on on the Twitch as as these these people seem to be using? So <laughs> I think I'm I, one thing. I'm a person who gets bored if I just do one thing all the time. So I think it's going to be a combination of you know using it as a tool to like almost just practice and play along to stuff where that's playing a God Forbid album in full or playing a Bad Wolves album or, you know, different bands that I've played with Darkest Hour, cover bands I've, I've done, and, you know, basically use this way to, hey, guys, here's my process. Here, here's how I, I run through songs. Um, but also would like to do stuff where I'm kind of doing, like, reactions to other bands' music, um, doing, all right, here's the, you know, 10 coolest songs that came out last week or let's let's listen to these together and i'll talk about them uh even you know maybe listening to fans submitted they're listening to their bands and giving my feedback on that i definitely want to do podcast stuff and do interviews there so people can actually listen to the interviews live and things like that um q a stuff i don't know it seems like the um the environment you can kind of do whatever you want you know I mean, they, they, a lot of stuff, when I was talking to the guy at Twitch, he was saying, you know, people like um, <clears throat> from Lincoln Park, uh, Mike Shinoda, he writes on there. So he'll literally do his whole production thing 
that's what he you know he does and they, they brought up stuff like that that's a little weird for me because i'm so it's such a you know like i'm not a dude who's like when i'm writing feels like confident at all i feel like everything's a piece yeah. of shit until it's not <laughs> i'm the same you know so i don't know if that's something i feel like good enough um in that process yet but it's definitely um definitely something I'm, end, I'm it doesn't for. really matter though so there's that Oh my God. It's true. Well, let me ask you as it's someone true. that knows it's nothing true. about Twitch and maybe I'm like sounding yeah. old, but what, what is the, what is the premise of it? Cause I've seen a lot of artists that have turned to that, especially in the last it's just live months. streaming. It's just live streaming. Okay. So, it, so it, you know, it really got its footing with uh, gaming. And so the biggest Twitch people are gamers, you know, who started even like guys like PewDiePie and stuff like that started out as just gamers and people would, would, would watch them. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's all, listen, it, trust me, it was weird for me when I first found out about it. I'm like, so people uh, watch, they watch other people play video games. Like, yep. I'm like, are these guys like really good at video games? Like, nope. <laughs> you want know, to know one of the saddest things about Lost Symphony is that my brother, my twin brother who co-writes all this music, he watches like 14-year-olds playing video games. And like if he went to a PAX convention and he gets more excited about like meeting people that were in video games. And I'd be like, dude, Jeff Loomis is going to lay down a solo on this song. And he'll be like, who? Jeff yeah. Loomis, the guy that plays on all these songs. He's a, like one of the greatest guitarists ever. Yeah, but like I have to play video games. And like, I, I, it's amazing to me that we have all these amazing artists and yet people could still go and say, I'd rather watch a 14-year-old play like Call of Duty. Well, but it, actually what I what I figured out, I ended up going to a live event, with these Let's Play events with a buddy of mine. And I was totally, I was like, and it, the kids were just flipping out about all these streamers. And it here's what it really is. In some ways, it's not too different from a podcast listener. It's basically like a, a virtual friend. You know, like it's like they're hanging out with that person. And so they start to like their person. So it's really about, the charisma and kind of likability of the individuals playing. It has nothing to do with the video games. It's just, honestly, a lot of it has to do with the, the fact that this younger generation is growing up in a time period where there's less physical interface. And so people feel, I think young kids feel a lot more isolated and they, this is like their almost way to feel close to people without having as much old school, like, face-to-face friend but skills. Do you think that's going to be scary that like if one day your internet goes out and you realize that all your friends are virtual? I mean, what, what do you mean? Got, forever? We have big, bigger problems if the internet goes out. <laughs> internet goes out forever? I mean, that would be... I, a, mean, I be, don't know. Elon Musk could do it. He sounds like he's like an overlord that has capable. Did you guys see the, uh, the, the thing with the Steve from Blue's Clues? That they just he just, he just did a, uh, you know, you guys know Blue's Clues, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. okay. I don't... Well, oh, it was um, kid, it was kid, a cartoon growing up. Yeah, the very, little blue but, dog. But it, what reminded me is it was basically the guy talked to the screen, to you, through the screen. And I was like, help me search for clues. And it, it kind of now makes a lot of sense why kids growing up in that generation would then want that virtual friend kind of yeah. thing. Because that was almost the babysitter yeah, for a lot of kids growing but up. But even vloggers, thing. like that's yeah. why like vloggers are really big with young kids because it's that I'm talking to you, you know. Dude, I had choose your own adventures. I could choose if I wanted to go to page 23 or 29 and if I died or not. I had so. that shit. It was great. It was great. <laughs> Remember that game Dragon Slayer? The oh, one yeah. Where it's like you had to, you know, it was a cartoon, but you had to figure out which way to go. Oh, yeah. I did. I, in between Golden Axe 2 on Sega Genesis. Boom. You know? Altered Beast, bro. I, 
Altered Beast. Oh, well, Altered, but here's the thing is that with Altered Beast, that's why they had to come out with Sonic the Hedgehog because everyone beat Altered Beast in an hour. That's the problem with Sega Genesis. Super Mario Brothers? I mean, now there's guys that can do it like they're like, I can beat it in seven minutes and 14 seconds. But fuck you. That shit was hard back in the day. Like, you you had your one friend who was good at it, but we all sucked at like level two. It sucked. Unless you went and took the time warp. You can't actually beat the game linearly. Whereas Ooh. now, like Altered Beast, it's four levels. It's like first levels, three minutes. Second level, five minutes. Third level, five minutes. Fourth level, six minutes. You've won. Okay. <laughs> and then I and then they kicked me out of Zare or Leechmere, wherever I that, was at that moment. Did that start the everyone gets a trophy generation? Yeah, I think it did. Ultra Beast was yeah. that. That's Sega Genesis was like these stupid Americans. <laughs> just give them a game; they could all win. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, Self-esteem we... generation. <laughs> As we crash into another wall. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Start oh taking God. Doc's advice and, and, and work on transitions. That's what we're going to work on. I'm just taking notes over here. <laughs> My whole life is just 99 levels of bubble bobble, bro. I'm just going, no, here's, here's the transition. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> Dude, so, are you stealing uh, our shit? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pull this out of the ditch right now. I'm going to climb out. I just do up, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, A, B, select, start, and I have 40 it's, more lies. I can talk for a lot it's longer. B, A. Uh, AB, I right? love the fact that you called me out on my fake news. He fact-checked me with the 80s. Oh, my God. Right. Well, here, Good I'll time get time us time. back. Let, let's go back to music. So something you mentioned, we talked a lot about in part one. For the listeners, if you haven't checked it out, go listen to part one with Doc. But, well, I guess it would be part three because we've had you on before. But I guess we'll label it as part one. Um, you were talking about, you know, the importance of finding joy in music. Is it a you know what I I guess. I don't know. Got, but if no, it's going to be a quip, Ben, you have to be quick. You can't Yeah, you have wait. to be quick before you derail me. No, but we were we were talking about how, you know, a lot of us, especially within the music industry, get caught up in all the drama and the antics and stuff. And sometimes at the end of the day, you're like, wow, this is no longer enjoyable. So um, my question for you is, what are some of the ways that you continue to find joy in making music and keep that perspective of not getting too immersed in the things that kind of take away from that that fundamental enjoyment of not having that regular job that you don't care about, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think right now, um, kind of separated from the live music part of it, which I have yet to experience since all this has gone down. So I don't have I don't have that kind of cathartic release yet. That'll be happening soon. But for me, honestly, it's like even if I'm just jamming along to something or just practicing, it's like it just playing. It actually kind of brings my anxiety down like just just playing and being because it's so especially it's uh when you kind of get to that muscle memory part of it where you're not thinking you're just like it's just this thing i don't know it's like it's always been guitar has always been like a um you know how like babies will have like that um that blanket that comfort blanket mm -hmm. you know the guitar has always been that for me that it's like just a place i can i can you know feel comfort and feel like okay i i'm safe with my guitar you know, um, and then at least with the cre any creative work, you know, I just think there's always that satisfaction of taking nothingness and transforming it to somethingness, you know, and just building and whether it's recording a guitar solo or whether the band's working on a song, that process of, you know, that's a very satisfying feeling, you know, and that's that's something that you can go, OK, this is we, we did a thing we did or I made a thing like that. 
if, if, it, if it works, you know, it's that, that's something. And I think devoid of the, the, the live music, which has been a part of my life for ever, ever since I can remember, um, that's going to have to do for now, you know, but I think, you know, I definitely miss just being in a room with people and making noise and, and rocking, you know, I, that's, that's something, you know, we think with the guys in, in Bad Wolves, we haven't played really, damn, we haven't really played in a room since we were doing our auditions. So, we, cause we literally went from getting the singer to being in the studio mm-hmm. and we were doing, every, you know, we do everything all the, you know, in logic and whatever, doing that kind of kind of type type of thing. So I just kind of almost need that for like myself, you know. Just I I don't even care what it is. I just I need to be in a room playing with other human beings and have it be loud, <laughs> you know. Like even more so than playing in front of a crowd. Like just sure. you know, just that connected because you're just in there. You want me to send working. you a DI track? You can just feed out through your amps, and then I, you can just play me whenever you want. Because I feel like that's what I do sometimes. Kelly from our band, he sent me all of his DI tracks from Canada. And when I get lonely, I'm just like, tonight, Kelly plays through my spawn. <laughs> See, I don't, I'm not that, um, you know, technically gifted to know what to do with the DIs, except maybe put a plug-in on them, so. And I don't have a spawn. I'm jealous. By the way, why you have so many keyboards, man? What's this, man? You, you, you in fucking yes or something? So, first off, you're not the first person to ask me this. So, if I was ever, I, I've been practicing to play live all of my life. And what I want to do is surround myself with keyboards. And, and really what there is, right, what you don't see here, not pictured, is my two-channel mixer plugged into my iPod. And it's hooked into a DMX 512 uh, protocol chain. And what That's I do piece, is I pretend. DMX. I pretend. Correct. Um, I ja rule over that all day. Um, y'all gonna get it. Um, but I pl- I hide behind this, and it looks like I'm playing because there's so many keyboards and there's so many tiers that all you can actually see is pretty much my star set haircut above. So it, if you have this many keyboards, it takes away from the fact that I'm not actually playing. Okay, can I, can I say something? You mentioned ja rule. I somehow ended up watching the MTV Awards, like I said, for a little bit last night. I'm sorry. And somehow ja rule is still... Jacked. Apparently acceptable enough to be <laughs> at the MTV Awards. Like, can we cancel him? Just like he didn't get canceled for Firefest. We should have been, but he should have been canceled twenty years ago for sucking, right? And he's such <laughs> like I yo. No, I don't, no, hold on, hold on. But he saw. I I I saw Ja Rule live, and I gotta give him credit. I did not remember how many songs he sucked on. Yeah, but I remembered all of the songs he sucked we'll on. Do my baby. He could go for a 60-minute set and play like 34 songs, and you know every one of them. So you know what? If sucking's a thing, his brand is fantastic and it's strong. But is it that there's just a lot of, like, there's so many people with shitty taste that it allows him to have a career? Just just like, because I've never met one person. We are not the arbiters of taste. I believe was a a term that you threw up. It's (laughs) subjective. It's a subjective thing. Who am I to judge anybody with with my taste? Not with Ja Rule. Not with Ja Rule, baby. Americanism. (laughs) My hypocrisy. (laughs) Wait, wait, hold on. If you had to say Use my whole word. Ja Rule was like the guy that you threw on the track like Cardi B now. Like, you know, like, like they're like Maroon 5. This girl Cardi B, she like used to steal your money like when she was a hooker and now she's going to be on your song and make it a number one again. Like, I felt like that was Ja Rule back in the day. Like, the, the gender roles have changed that Ja Rule has just become Cardi B because that's really what they do. Is it, I need a remix for this Jennifer Lopez song, Call in Ja Rule, It's the Summer Jam. 
Yo, ja Rule is shot, all right? And I'm like, how did he get... Who still had his email at MTV? It was like, yo, we need to get... I'm like, this is just... Mike Tyson sent him a passenger pigeon, actually. Yeah. It's like... It's like I've seen That's that funny. Kind. That's funny. In my own mind, that was a funny one. <laughs> Come on. Mike Tyson fucking has pigeons, and he know, he actually does have pigeons, and he's taught them to fly and deliver messages. That's fascinating. Hey, Benny, have you ever, you ever done stand-up? <laughs> no. But if you do stand up and if they don't, you do the joke and they don't laugh, you, afterward you gotta go, hey, that's funny. <laughs> no, but, uh, come, oh, on. Just like, come on, man. No, you gotta do the, you, no, but just be like Norm MacDonald. Racism. Ah, racism. Racism. Ah, racism. Norm MacDonald? Jo- Norm MacDonald, oh, remember, remember he used to do weekend, uh, yeah, he, he, had- said, he, he used to say the meanest shit to people and then he just repeated, he'd be like, right. It was a rape joke. Rape joke. No, but you got to do his voice. You know? yeah, and then, yeah. and then he got fired. Yeah, he got fired from. Oh no, no, no. Like, that was fucking stupid. <laughs> Not really get fucking fired now. Listen, like he's that. he's a funny dude, so you know. He Hilarious can... dude. Hilarious. He said yeah. he's got balls. There's some people like Stephen Colbert that have balls. Norm Macdonald. The thing, if you go and watch like his the career of like spoofing people spliced together because that's not what they do. If there's anything YouTube is good for, some asshole with iMovie can edit together all of the uncomfortable moments of Norm MacDonald, true, which I actually true. did watch last night with Paul Renzo, our drummer, and they're fantastic. I had no idea how much respect I have for Norm MacDonald and his asshole. <laughs> it's never clenched. <laughs> right on, right on. Uh- <laughs> oh, yeah, what I meant to say... <laughs> Well, uh, thank God we are coming to the end of our session. <laughs> for for Doc's sake, uh, we're having a good time. Anyways, thank you, Doc, for lending us your, your time and wisdom. Even if and you, your ear, even if you uh, perfectly uh, gave me the callback of hypocrisy there. Um, oh, I deserve okay. it. You caught. You got me going. I just I just thought everyone was so united in Ja Rule hate that no one. <laughs> Well, well, call me the, out. The, I the, thought the thing is though, do you think millennials have canceled Firefest being canceled in their mind? Because I bet you there's a bunch of people if you walk down the street that probably bought tickets to it that don't even know what it is anymore. Do you know what it is, the Fire Festival? Me, Corey? yeah, I know. Yes. I know. yes. Are you trying to find another wall to drive us into right now? No, I'm just curious. I'm just I'm just curious because like that for people that don't know, they like had people buy hundred thousand dollar villas to see all these crazy bands on like Pablo Escobar's island and then it never happened. So, yeah, yeah, he stole a bunch of money, and then he still does that stupid song and sells out clubs. Oh, here's the thing. Ja Rule needs to go, okay? <laughs> I would, if I could cancel anyone, it'd be Ja Rule. I don't want to see this motherfucker ever, all right? <laughs> he just, listen, he, he just, some people just look shady. I, I guess maybe people like shady-looking people, <laughs> with, you know what I'm saying? Got milk dud head, all right? And he's just a bullshit artist, Okay. <laughs> I'm sick of this dude. What do you like, think if Exhibit pimped his ride? I don't kill. Bring Exhibit back. I, like I love Exhibit, Exhibit dude. Exhibit yeah. was amazing. And he's a nice guy. Do you notice how he always did like great things for people? It's like, I want to hate on Pitbull, but it's like, he's like raising money for like children and women. Pitbull seems bad. really nice. He's a lot of- Mr. 305 is actually a very upstanding individual and I have nothing bad to say about him. And his fucking songs are dance floor gold. So yeah, Why wouldn't he be? The dude just wants to party. I was at a hipster bar, like in the uh, in the before times, and his girl goes, "You look like Pitbull." I was like, "Damn, I'm getting old." 
<laughs> Even I don't know, they're real young. I'm like, damn, don't look like pit boy. Is well, that means she's the right age for you, though. It's fine. The I have a girlfriend. Come on, man. Oh, I understand. He found the last wall. All right. <laughs> all right. Check out two zero two zero. Is that why you're running D. for so long that you just hit the wall? Like are all the people that are listening to us, at like six o'clock in the morning, Ben, are waking just up. Stop. They're just hitting the stop. wall. <laughs> no. Doc, thank 2020 you for joining 2020 us. 2020-D.com. Yes. Check out... Uh, can you give us that the Bad Wolves website again? Because it was really weird. It was... Uh, yeah. Pre-ordering, like, yeah. I'm pretty sure if you just look up Bad Wolves, Dear, Dear Monsters on Google, this would come up. But the actual website is badwolves.ffm.to backslash Dear Monsters. There you go. And also podcast, The X-Man, which you, got, you have so many amazing guests and that we've totally apparently are stealing from which is fine because don't We're you know that, that the copying sure. you is the best form of you know compliments flattery yeah and we, we learned we a lot from Tremonti you in advance yeah yeah <laughs> good on you that's that's how good we are but doc yeah. thank and you so much this yeah. was an awesome conversation everyone go listen to the uh, previous parts we had with doc part and one lifeline the on. fucking badass new song yeah. dude from bad wolves with dl from the acacia strain putting down the guitar awesome. for a moment to fucking blast us with some crazy vocals holy fuck yes and the album comes out october 29th awesome october so go 29th. order the album go listen to them everywhere get the signed vinyl doc. there you go that means cool. everyone for Halloween has to dress up like a wolf. All right. Yes. <laughs> Deal. All right. Thank you, guys. 2020-D.com. We'll see you next time. Thank you, as always, for checking out this episode of 2020. Please visit 2020-D.com. Like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. We recorded this episode the day before we found out that Norm MacDonald passed, so we just want to say rest in peace to the greatest. This week's throwback clip is from episode number 62, featuring Alex Skolnick of Testament. Check it out. It's just better not to try to be an imitator. I, you know, I, I take what I can from different players. Uh, Eddie was certainly a big influence, but it, you know, I, I, I try not to make it too obvious, and I try to base it on what I like. And there's... There's a lot of music I like that isn't, as I said this earlier, it's not technical at all, but that, that might come out while I'm playing technical music because I, you know, I want a melody that's memorable, something that fits the song. That's another thing that was so great about Eddie and, you know, the, the early, you know, technical players is that it, no matter what, it fit the song and some, uh, some players seem to forget about that. Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. 
Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Okay.